All right, well, along with Pastor Mark and Ashley, I also want to say welcome to you all. And good morning to you, and I want to say hello to those who are engaged with us online as well. If you have your scriptures, however you turn in your scriptures, I invite you, let's turn together to the book of Revelation, the last book in your Bible, Revelation chapter 4, and I want to encourage you to put a finger on verse 8, because that's where we'll, we'll read in just a moment. But how many of you are familiar with what's called the Golden Record? Anybody familiar with the Golden Record? A few of us are here. The Golden Record is a time capsule that was put together by NASA in 1977. It's 12 inches, gold-plated, copper record that has these instructions on the outside. And it captures the sounds, the images, and the songs of Earth. You probably wouldn't be able to guess the song that represents the USA. So I'll go ahead and tell you what the song is. And it's Johnny Be Good by Chuck Berry. I don't know if that's the song I would put on the record, but that's the song that's on this golden record. And the purpose of the golden record is to communicate kind of the scene of earth to E.T. or aliens if they are to find the golden record on one of the spaceships that it was sent off onto so that they can discover and learn about Earth. And so the golden record is on Voyager 1 and Voyager 2 right now, somewhere in interstellar space, just waiting for E.T. So that E.T. can learn about us and our culture and planet Earth. And in a similar way, the book of Revelation has these songs these hymns that over the next several weeks, Pastor Sherman and I are going to look at and unpack and sing together and teach through because these songs and these hymns in the book of Revelation have something to communicate to us about God. And so let's look at these first two hymns that we find in Revelation chapter 4. And beginning in verse 8, and I'm needing some participation this morning from everybody in the room. And so here's what I want to invite you to, to help me with. This side of the congregation, when we get to verse 8, where it says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord our God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. I want you to read that portion of the verse with me. This part of the congregation. Are we up for that? Yes, very good. Love the participation. Love the excitement. Very good job, even on this Sunday when we lost an hour of sleep. So way to go. This side of the congregation, when we get to verse 11, I want you to help me read that hymn as well. Are you game for that? Yes, yes very good. Very, very good. So let's look at Revelation chapter 4, verse 8, and you'll see on the screen with me what's bolded and underlined. That's what you're going to sing with me. And then when we get to verse 11, the other half of the congregation will sing that with me as well. If you're engaged with us online, we want to hear you too. Verse 8, and the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within, and day and night they do not cease to say. Now I want to stop here because some of you are saying, well, they said, the scripture says say, I thought we were talking about songs. Well, this verse say, it means direct quote, or if you go and look at chapter 5, it's going to talk about the new songs that the living creatures sing. So we can imply here that it's something that was sung. So are you ready? 
Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. And when the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and they will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and because of your will they existed and were created. Now, I'm going to need your participation later on as well, so just hang with me. But this letter, the book of Revelation, was written in 95 Christian era. And it was written by the Apostle John, who was sent to the island of Patmos because of his faith in Jesus. And it was on this island just off the coast of Asia Minor where he was exiled, where he was sent, that he received this vision from God. And he was told to write it down and send it to the seven churches in Asia Minor. And if you look at this map as you're following along, you can see these towns, these emphasized in red. And if you are familiar with the Bible and numbers in the Bible, they typically mean something. Seven means completeness. And so while this letter, the book of Revelation, was sent to seven literal churches, it probably applied to all churches in some form or fashion. And so the letter is sent to these seven churches where it would have been read. And in chapters two and three of Revelation, we get a picture of what these seven churches were experiencing what they were experiencing. The Roman emperor at the time, Domitian, was not a very good emperor. Matter of fact, he insisted that he be referred to as Lord and God. And history tells us that when he reigned, persecution among Christians began to increase. And so in chapters two and three of Revelation, we see that the church faces persecution. They face suffering. There's the temptation to compromise to the world religions of the day. There's also the temptation to be led astray by false teaching. This was their environment. This was the challenges that they faced. So imagine persecution, suffering, false teaching, compromise. They probably were discouraged. They probably had doubts that God was who he said he was and that he could do what he said he was going to do. They were probably tempted to follow after the gods of the day to believe things about God that weren't true. You see, when they looked across their landscape, when they looked across their horizontal perspective of what was happening to them, they probably saw the world as caving in around them, evil in control, and God gone. And maybe some of you feel like that today in our culture. Just yesterday, my wife shared with me, and she's following this family that she knows, a family of, with three young children, and the family found out yesterday, the young, their youngest one, that the cancer is back. Yesterday, many of us gathered in this room to celebrate the life of one of our members who is gone. Maybe some of you are looking at what's happening locally and nationally and globally. You're watching the gas prices go up. You're watching what's happening in Ukraine and you're watching what Russia is doing and you're watching your bank account. You're looking at, at your horizontal perspective and you feel like the world is caving in. 
that evil is in control and that God is God. Maybe you feel that way. This is what makes chapter four so crucial because it speaks into that particular situation when it seems that evil is in control and that God is gone. Revelation chapter four speaks into this particular moment. It's placed here for a reason. And look at verse one with me of chapter four. It says, after these things, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven and the first voice, which I heard like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me. Now, if you go back and look at Revelation chapter one, you'll see that this phrase refers to Jesus. So Jesus is going to invite the apostle John up into heaven. And Jesus said to John, come up here and I will show you what must take place after these things. This is an invitation from Jesus to John and the seven churches and for us to shift our perspective from being horizontal to vertical. Jesus gives us an invitation to shift our perspective. You know, sometimes we all need to kind of be shaken or shift our perspective a little bit. This week I walked up to my wife and I said, it's been two days since you kissed me. And she said, it's been two days since you kissed me. So right there in front of the kids, we just kissed right there. And, and, And here's what that, you know how life in general can just kind of you can sometimes forget to romance your spouse. So that's kind of what happened. And, and all of a sudden I kissed her right there. I was like, okay, that feels good. It's kind of a reminder. Well, Jesus is inviting John to up here, up here. Let's shift our perspective from horizontal to vertical. And so John goes up there in this vision. And if you read chapter 11, you'll see that 13 times the word throne is mentioned. And as a Bible student, when you see a word that's used over and over again, that should grab your attention. And so the word throne is mentioned 13 times in Revelation chapter 4. And so I just want to ask a few questions about this throne. The first one is, who is on the throne? And when you read chapter 4, it's very clear there is only one on the throne, and it is God. A throne, for those of you who are unfamiliar, it's a, a chair that a king would sit in that's typically elevated. And in chapter four, we see that God is on the throne. And as you read the chapter, though, you'll see that there are those around the throne. So who's around this throne? At first, we see around this throne are 24 elders. Now, 24, again, may be a significant number. It could refer to the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles. And some say this idea, this number, is maybe to represent all Christians. And if you read, it says these 24 elders, it says that they have their own smaller thrones that they each are sitting on around the throne. And they're clothed in white garments, and they have golden crowns sitting on their heads. And so the picture is God on his throne and around the throne, 24 smaller thrones with elders clothed in white with golden crowns. But if you read, it says, as you get closer to the throne, there are four living creatures. This is the word animals. And so maybe these four living creatures refer to the four corners of the earth and how this represents all of creation, even the creatures. And these living creatures are strange. Students, children, they have eyes in the front and on the back 
they have six wings. And if you read, you'll see that one of them looks like a lion and a calf and a man and an eagle. And so here you have the throne where God sits. And around the throne, you have the 24 elders and their smaller ones. And then towards the center, you have these four living creatures. My question is, what are they singing? And in verse 8, and it says, the four living creatures. And it goes on in the end of that verse, says, and day and night, they did not cease to say. So 24-7, they are singing non-stop, endless song. This reminded me of, of the song, Achy Breaky Heart. <laughs> and see, students, mullets were cool back then too. Maybe. This song came out in 1992, and I remember going over to my friend's house, and this is when, you know, stereos took up about half the room. And so he said, watch this. And so he turned, he found a radio station, and for 24-7, it played Achy Breaky Heart. Don't break my heart, my achy breaky heart. I just don't think you'll understand. And, it, and so 24-7, while I was at his house, he had that playing, even through the night. 24-7, day and night. Now, this is not a song worth repeating over and over and over. But you want me to show you a song that is worth repeating over and over? Look at the rest of verse 8. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. That's a song worth repeating. Day and night, night and day. And so I want this half of the congregation to help me. I want you to repeat over and over again that portion of verse 8. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Keep going. And here's what the scripture says. Keep going. The scripture says in Revelation chapter 4, it says that as the living creatures are crying out 24-7, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, their worship, their song starts to prompt the 24 elders. And so the 24 elders, in response to, to the holy, 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 they realize they want to get in on the action. And so the scripture says that they fall down, they take their crown off, they place it at the throne, and they begin to say, worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor. So sing with me. Amen, amen, and amen. So around the throne of God, there is endless praise and undivided worship to the king. Endless praise and undivided worship. Why? Why? Why even right now are the four living creatures crying out, holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come? Why? 
We see the verse 11. This chapter ends with this portion of the song. For you created all things. And because of your will, your intentionality, your purpose, they existed and were created. God is creator. This is what Revelation chapter four is trying to communicate to us. That God is the almighty, everlasting creator. If this hymn, if this song is trying to communicate, it's screaming out to us that God is creator. I appreciate what Leon Morris says about this portion of scripture. And I want to share it with you. God has not abandoned the world. And it is indeed his world. He made all things and he made them for his own purpose. John's readers must not think that evil is in control. Evil is real, but the divine purpose still stands. You see, just as the vision in Revelation chapter 4 mattered to the first century Christians, it matters today. You know what matters today? Because Monday's coming. Monday is coming. You're going to be tempted to value lesser things. You're going to be tempted to believe things about God that are not true. You're going to be tempted to believe things about you that are not true because of the messages from culture and society. You may be tempted to drift from God's word. You may experience suffering. And there may come a time we experience some form of persecution. And we need to be reassured that God and God alone is on the throne. And this is exactly what Revelation chapter 4 does for us today. It reminds us that our almighty, everlasting creator is still ruling from his heavenly throne. He has been, he is, and he will. He is the everlasting creator that sits on the throne that is above every throne. And just as the first century church needed to be reminded of that, we need to be reminded of that today. We need this vertical perspective of who is on the throne to get us through the horizontal perspective that we struggle with each and every day. And so may we, two things, may we hold fast. As, may we hold fast. My family, we have this dog and we've taken him to dog school and I've learned that really it's about the trainer training you and not your dog. And so my daughter's the one that's there and our dog is fairly big. And so my eight-year-old, they have to tell her, hold fast, hold the reins of the dog fast. There's other dogs there, it's distractions. And, and so it's, you got to hold fast to Lobo because if you don't, you're going to let him go. And so I want to encourage us to hold fast to God's word, 
Hold fast to prayer. Hold fast to his word. This is what we consider as part of worship. This, this attitude of surrender that we do through prayer and worship. So hold fast to God and his word. Don't let it depart from your mouth and your heart. Hold fast. Hold fast. And the second thing that I hope this encourages us is to prioritize this. Public, corporate, worship. You see, there's this grind that we all experience during the week. The temptations, the spiritual drifting, the desire to value and treasure lesser things. We go through what I call this grind, but then we come here and we gather with our other brothers and sisters and we hear the word preached and we sing the word and as we listen to our neighbors sing and, and, and lift up God and, and we hear the word preached and we're interacting with other, each other, all of a sudden we get this vertical perspective that he is on the throne, that he is in control, that evil is not in control, but God is in control. And so may we hold fast and may we not forget to gather together. May we prioritize corporate worship. What I call the grind and the glory. The grind and glory. So as you grind through the week, we come here to lift our eyes up. To lift our eyes up. To be reminded and reassured that he is on the throne that he is our almighty, everlasting creator. But I want to say this to you as well, and to me. This, this song, this hymn, said that he created all things. And that includes you. That includes you. You're not, you may feel like you're unwanted, but God created you. And I love what David says in Psalm 138 as he gets his eyes up. He, he gets his eyes up off his kind of horizontal perspective and, and, he, and he takes a look up. And in Psalm 138, beginning of verse 6, it says, For though the Lord is on high, see, there's that vertical perspective. He regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. And though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. May the vision of Revelation chapter four remind us and reassure us that God is on his throne, governing, guiding, and controlling all things. And in response, may we hold fast to him and his word. And may we prioritize the gathering of his people and be reminded that he created you. He's not abandoned the world and he's not abandoned you. And one of the greatest demonstrations that God showed that he's not forsaken us was the sending of his one and only son, Jesus Christ. And so to remember Jesus and his sacrifice and what he's done for us, we're going to take the Lord's Supper communion together. And so regardless of your age, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to participate with us as we proclaim and remember the Lord's death.